once you get to know me and if the listeners ever hear me more than once, they'll hear me use the word optimal, right? Um, and it's something that my coaches even sort of poke fun at, the fact that everything has to be optimal. Uh, that's the word, okay? There's, there's a million ways to do things well. Well isn't the point, you know? And, and because something works doesn't mean to say it can't work better. Optimal should be the goal at all times. And as soon as you start your perspective starts to change and you start to see the chinks in your own armor. You got to plug those, those gaps. You got to strengthen those weaknesses in order to ascend to the next level. Hi, this is Sean Greeley and welcome to the Secrets to Their Fitness Business Success Podcast, where industry leaders share their secrets, strategies, and step-by-step systems to turn your fitness passion into a highly profitable business. Now, after you've listened to the show, Head on over to npefitness.com slash podcast to download the show notes and get access to our free e-course on how you can start and grow a profitable fitness business. You'll see how over 45,000 fitness entrepreneurs have created more profit, revenue, and happiness with their business and get instant access to our three most popular fitness business building guides. The training is 100% free and you can access it now at npefitness.com slash podcast. Now let's get on to the show. Coming from Los Angeles, this is the Secrets to Their Fitness Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Greeley, founder and CEO of NP, and this is episode number eight, Strengthen Your Weaknesses to Ascend to the Next Level, how Paul McElroy created and continues innovating the world's number one body transformation program. I'm very excited for this interview. My friend, Paul, uh, founder of Amazing 12. Paul's from Belfast, Northern Ireland. We've been friends for many years now. You're going to hear his accent when he speaks. Uh, It's cool. Uh, He's had an incredible journey as an athlete, elite coach, gym owner, and now a true leader bringing the Amazing 12 program to the fitness industry. Now, I want to preface that in this interview, you're going to hear Paul make some pretty big statements that fly in the face of traditional fitness education. You may find yourself challenged when you first hear some of these statements, but Paul has the real world results and street credibility to back them up. In fact, his track record as elite coach is so incredible that the biggest problem he often faces is that the results his clients and programs produce are so good, people often question if they're even real. But I can tell you without a doubt, they are. Amazing 12 program truly is the world's number one body transformation program today. It produces incredible physical change while improving strength, while improving aerobic capacity, while improving performance, while improving health, and more. The program has produced over 8,000 jaw-dropping transformations now for every type of client in 148 countries. You're going to learn a lot in this episode, so be sure to take notes, and let's jump in. All right, hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm here with my good friend, Paul McElroy, the founder and creator of the Amazing 12 program. Uh, Paul is from Belfast, Northern Ireland, so you're going to hear his accent today, which is amazing. Uh, we've known each other for many, many years. Uh, we go way back and excited to have you here, Paul, today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here, Sean. It really is. Awesome. So tell everybody just a little bit about your background. You have an incredible background as an athlete, uh, as you. a coach, as a gym owner, uh, and, and more. Um, and take us through a little bit around your journey growing from Belfast and sport and fitness. Well, I grew up in West Belfast in the 1980s, which a quick Google search will tell you was basically a war zone. Um, and it was, it was socially depraved. The, the area that I grew up in was a place um, called Devis Flats, or right across from that, called Devonshire, and McDonald Street, and all those surrounding areas in West Belfast. And they were, I remember reading in a textbook in high school, actually, many years later, 
<laughs> that Devil's Flats was the most underprivileged housing estate in Europe in 1985. Okay, so that was right around the time when I was a kid, you know, playing on the streets and, and all this. But on the backdrop of, of all the problems that would normally be associated with a sort of a, what was essentially a ghetto, um, you also had a sort of an urban guerrilla war <laughs> happening at the same time. So it was tons of fun, you know, 24-7, obviously I jest. Um, it, was, it, was, it was dangerous, but in all honesty, it was a place that it was my normality and everybody's normality at the time. So whatever your norm is, is relative to you and where you are. So I, I knew no better. Um, I remember it was, I was maybe 13 years old before I visited a different country. And I couldn't believe the difference, you know, the normality, um, the news. I, I remember laughing for hours or, you know, every day laughing at the news um, in, this, in this place where we were because it was so normal. You know, I couldn't believe that, that, that it wasn't reporting bombs and, and killings and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's where I grew up. So right away, there wasn't a whole lot of options. But the two things that our community really praised more than anything were sport and education, because those were your two weapons with which to try and ascend, like the, the proverbial phoenix from the ashes, so to speak. And a lot of people did do that. And that's something that, that my mother and father have to credit them for. They're no longer with us, unfortunately. And I credit them immensely for helping both myself and my brother ascend through sport and education. And so that's what I did from an early age. I was involved in sport. And, and I stuck education the whole way through, the whole way through. So those two things went hand in hand my whole life. Yeah. And you had some early success in, obviously, in boxing, uh, in uh, MMA. You trained in the UFC. Tell people a little about your journey there. Okay, well, I started boxing when I was about 13. And I boxed on and off competitively for about 11 years. So kind of from the early 90s to the sort of early mid noughties. Um, and I loved that. I was, it was something that came very natural to me and it was something that, well, the fight in Irish, uh, as, as the, 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 the picture behind me is, uh, I got that in uh, Hell's Kitchen, New York. Um, the fight in Irish is something that's praised in our culture and we are a, a warrior nation in that way. And we've always praised people who were good at boxing you know, from right back from the early days of the prize ring, boxing was big here. So it was important to me from an early age. And I followed in my brother's footsteps because he was a successful martial artist, kickboxer and stuff like that. The ability to be able to fight as well as think was something that was, was very, very praised where I came from, which is, it's unusual now looking back at, at how much emphasis was placed on that. But I carried on the whole way through. I came to powerlifting in my early 20s because I discovered when I was training for boxing that I was very physically strong. When I started to lift weights, I ended up getting stronger than some of the heavyweights, even though I was a lightweight and things like that. So I found out about the sport of powerlifting. I started competing in that. Within 18 months, I had won national, international, and a version of the world junior powerlifting championships. And then I came back to boxing for a while. I ended up going to MMA, wanting to try MMA. I kind of flirted with MMA a bit. Um, it was always something. I always remember thinking, I only lost three fights in boxing. Didn't have as many as I should have had, but I had a fair amount. 
and I lost three. And I always remember thinking that if those three fights hadn't have, if I hadn't been restricted by the rules, I would have won them. <laughs> if you know what I mean, it was never. I never felt weaker than the person. I always felt if I could get a grip of them, you know, I was kind of outfoxed a couple of times by by good cute boxers, uh, southpaws and stuff who outpointed me. Um, one guy who won a silver medal in the world the world junior championships. He was very good. Um, so I wanted to try MMA. I came to it kind of quite late, and it was at a transitionary phase in my life. Um, where I was, I was starting to, to see some success as a strength and conditioning specialist as well. After I got my degree in sports science, I went on to do the CSCS under the NSCA and had also done RKC level one and two. We were actually at the same RKC level two and didn't know each other we were, at all. I know. There's <laughs> pictures of us side by side uh, doing testing and stuff that we found years later, which is awesome. It's crazy. You know, it just shows you it's a small world. But I, I seen an advertisement in Ultimate Grappling magazine that Matt Hughes was opening a gym called the Hit Squad um, in Granite City, Illinois. And I thought I'd go over and just kind of almost audition to be a part of their team. And I did that for a month and I was over there training, exchanging blows, full contact from the start. The first day I was sparring. <laughs> I actually almost got into a street fight with Robbie Lawler. That's a story in itself. There was a bit of a misunderstanding between me and Robbie Lawler. <laughs> and we almost got into a scrap over something very silly. Uh, was separated by the whole team. <laughs> shocker. But, shocker uh, that happened. Shocker, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm a bit of a firecracker and Robbie's a big bit of a firecracker. But we ended up getting on really well, famously, <laughs> let's say, by the end. Um, and... You know, there's pictures of me and him together and, you know, I, I feel we, we, we got past it kind of quickly. That's the thing with with fighters and, you know, guys in particular kind of seem to put stuff that got behind them relatively quickly. But it was a great experience training with these guys, sparring these guys, maybe half a dozen guys that were either in the UFC or ended up in the UFC or the Ultimate Fighter House or things like that. And to call them friends and to train with them. It was a great experience. So I was over there. Um, for over a month and at the end of that it was time to come back for a while and then I was going to come back again for America and try and stay for longer because I had had a conversation with the management and they had said to me that they'd be happy enough to give me a contract to fight with them um, after the training that I had done there and so I was over the moon by that it was kind of a dream come true type of thing but some other stuff happened. While Some I was other stuff there. happened. Yeah. So so we'll, <laughs> yeah. so we'll get into we'll get into that, which is really a, a exciting part of the, your journey and your life, which has transformed you know now thousands and thousands of lives around the world. So talk to us around um, you know really the origin story of A12, which you know I, I know a little bit of the background we've, we, that I've heard you tell many times, but you had a friend who was going through some serious uh, life crisis and change, and you offered to to train him. Uh, so yep. take us through that story. Well, it's it's quite a harrowing story, and it's one that is very, very close, personal to my heart in many ways. Um, not just because of what happened with my friend and what subsequently ended up happening with the program, but because it actually s starts with the death of my father. That's that's kind of where the where the where the where the story starts. 
So my friend, who had been a friend of mine from boxing, a very, very talented boxer, three times national champion, all the ability in the world, who had kind of fallen, the streets had kind of got him, so to speak, and he, had, he at the time, had become, had developed substance abuse problems and alcohol addiction and things like that. And his lifestyle was, he was paying the price for it physically and mentally and emotionally in his life, okay? So at the same time that this was kind of happening with him, my father was terminally ill. And on the night that he died, as the police report would later reveal, at almost precisely the moment that my father died, which is eerie, my friend was attacked savagely in the street, an unprovoked attack. He was... You know, he was drunk and stuff and out of it. He can't really even remember what happened. But apparently what happened was subsequently ended up coming out as happening was his, he was put, his head was put on the, the curbstone, like American History X, and the guy jumped on his neck, like the movie. I think he was actually, you know, inspired by the movie. Hurt a human being in this way. And his neck was broken. His neck was, he had fractured, compressed vertebrae in his neck, so broken in a way and very very close to paralysis the way the the bones were sitting he was exceptionally lucky that he wasn't instantly paralyzed nobody obviously told me about this my brother and my mother found out about it but it was the early hours of the morning and my father had just died so nobody wanted to tell me but when they did eventually tell me it was shortly before my father's funeral and I ran to his bedside because I had told him that I wanted, before he, would, before he got hurt and before my father had died, he was in hospital and he was being sent home essentially to pass away because there was nothing more they could do about him and it was his wish that he came home. And my friend, who not only was a boxer, was a very talented sort of interior decorator type of thing as well, like a painter and decorator. I asked for his help to help fix up my father's apartment as a sort of a, you know, a, a last sort of gift to him. And without him, I wouldn't have been able to do it in the time frame that it was accomplished then. So I felt I really owed him a debt. And I also was suffering from the loss of my father and I felt a real need to save. So I went to him in the hospital bed and, and he was talking about, you know, am I going to walk again? The doctors don't know. You know, he was crying and stuff like that, as you would be. Um, I, was, I was tearful myself, to be honest. And, you know, he says, you know, if God let me, lets me walk again, I promise I'm going to turn it all around. I'll never touch another drink. I'll never touch another drug. I'll turn this around somehow. I'm going to give back as well. I'm going to do all that. And I says, well, I'm going to help you. Now, my skill set at that point was only getting people stronger or knocking people out. So I couldn't really see the correlation between what I could do to help, help him. But I remember in the late 90s wanting to enter a competition called Body for Life myself. But I, at the time, it wasn't open to people from places outside of the United States. So they wouldn't let me do it. But I remember how much that 12-week program, how the process of changing the body outwardly had an inexplicably powerful effect internally in terms of changing the person's whole outlook on life and how that spilled over to their family and their greater community. And I thought, right, well, let's give this a shot. I said, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a thing called Body for Life. I didn't even know if it was available in the UK. But it turned out that it was, and he says, right, let's do that. And 12 weeks later, we won it. <laughs> so we actually won it. He won it. He started squatting, much to my dismay, 
with a neck brace on. And I was like, you can't mean that this guy was a warrior. So you have to, you have to understand it's not a typical human being as well. And I was like, you know, you can't squat with a neck brace on. He's like, well, I'm not putting it on my neck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but if you make one mistake, it's going to slide up there, you know. And so I was spotting him like a ninja for the first couple of weeks on things like the back squat and stuff like that. But we got through this. We were training here, there, and everywhere. A wee bit at home, a wee bit in the street, in parks, you know, a wee bit sometimes having to climb over a barbed wire fence to get in the a gym that we had the key to get into to train at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night because he had to work and I had to work and all this sacrifice just because my goal was to try and turn him around. I didn't think we were going to win really, to be honest, because it gets big, big entries. As you know yourself, it gets thousands of entries. But he won the UK Men's Body for Life Challenge and we ended up meeting Porter Freeman, one of the original champions. And we didn't use the Body for Life program or that, to be fair. Um, but that was the first instance of me not training somebody for a performance increase, so to speak, training them for an aesthetic outcome. And it was interesting to me that the fastest way to do that was to actually train them for a performance increase. So we won it. It was unbelievable. So amazing. <laughs> it was the first. And another, another crazy where our journey intersects in life, uh, my personal training career started in the gym that Porter Freeman was training in to win the body for life. So there's so many crossovers that we, we run into in our lives around the world for the past few decades. So, um, so cool. So your guy wins the body for life, has this unbelievable transformation. And then, uh, and then this is just to, to get the timeline right for everybody. And then, and then you basically leave town and go to train for the UFC. And yeah. all of a sudden you, you come home and you got a ton of emails <laughs> yeah. from around the world. So tell well, us what, what happened. Well, kind of what happened was I trained him and then I was contacted by a few other people because it became well known. He was in men's fitness magazine and he was in newspapers and he was in all these different things that he had done this um, radio talk shows and stuff he'd, he'd done, you know, so he became quite, he was, notor he was uh, notorious anyway, <laughs> to be honest with you. And this made him notorious for a good reason. Okay, so famous instead of infamous for once. Um, and other people from the area who we had both grown up with, who had similar demons to overcome, contacted me randomly. So at the same time that I'm training athletes and lifters um, for higher performance in sports and getting paid for that, I was training a bunch of local people from my old neighborhood for free with, for body transformations. And I ended up getting a whole bunch of them after a while. Um, probably, you know, maybe 12 to 18 months worth or more of these. Um, and I said, you know what? I'm going to make a website. I'm going to put all my stuff on it. And then it's, the guy who was the website designer for me at the time says, well, what are you going to do with these body transformations? And I was like, well, I'm just doing that to help people. I was like, well, put them up on the site and say that you offer it as a, as a service. There's going to be people who want that as well. <laughs> Maybe there wasn't. I went, <laughs> this happened, this, this coincided with me then going over to train with Matt Hughes and Robbie Lawler, et cetera, in the hit squad. And I, I didn't check my emails for over a month and I came back and there was a couple of hundred requests asking me to do that 12 week thing because didn't have a name at the time 
Um, I don't care how much it costs. I don't care where you are or what I have to do. Just can you do this to me? You know, and that, that's where it started. And here we are, over 8,000 people in 141 countries later. <laughs> yeah, incredible. So that's, that's really where A12 was born. And, you know, it took off. Uh, things exploded. You know, now you're, you, you're back in Belfast. You own a gym, Centaur. Uh, you're having thousands of people come through and do the 12-week program from all over the world, you know, contacting you, wanting to fly in, wanting to learn, wanting to grow and train. Uh, and eventually you decide to create a certification because you can't possibly serve all these people coming at you guys. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what happened. As a result of me sharing the success in, what, in the best way that I knew possible at that time, which was sort of high quality before and after, honest before and after pictures, taken in you know, similar light and similar circumstances and flaxed in the same way and getting everything optimal around how we present the results and telling people's stories telling people's genuine stories that wasn't doing it as good then as I, as I do now as we actually have a system developed um, as you know to do that optimally but back then I was just winging it and just trying to tell these people's stories and it caught a lot of attention the internet is a phenomenal thing and social media caught on in a way that I hadn't um, anticipated and suddenly I was being contacted by fitness professionals as well as end user clients asking me to intern I must have had over a dozen people wanting to live, to uproot and live in Belfast for like six months to a year to intern with me to learn how to do that thing you do. So this happened. I was getting a bunch of emails from all over the globe, particularly America. And I thought, right, we need to do something with this. So I come from a, a certification background and I thought, right, we're going we're gonna to make it into this, uh, a live event. But this is the, the information around how to do this is so vast, you're never going to learn it. And you can learn how to, how to do a certain exercise in a few days or, you know, how to wield a, an implement, a fitness implement optimally. But you're not going to learn everything that there is to do with this in three days. So the three-day seminar wasn't going to be enough. So I went about authoring a 100,000-word manual with over 1,000 instructional images Got it professionally produced, no expense spared, full color, all singing, all dancing, published, but not to the public, only for people who became certified A12 coaches. And we ran the first event. And we had a very, very tough screening process because we didn't want just anybody holding this product because it really is. You're holding the ability to change people's lives and not just their lives, the lives of their families and to spill it into the greater community. Um, and the results have to be a really high standard. So we only wanted to operate with people who got that and were able to do that. But we wanted to give them every tool possible to be able to do that. So there was a live event, there was the book, and then there was the Facebook support group after that, all of which was key to the initial success of, of the program. Yeah, also known as how Dave Whitley got a, van, got a Jeep, right? So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, Dave posted the first US one. Um, and the A12, you know, it was a, it was a high ticket offer. So anytime you're associated with it, you get a payoff. <laughs> you know, I remember Dave telling me about the, the four by four that he bought. <laughs> you know, just uh, being honest. It's classic. It's classic. So um, to tell people kind of a little more where our journeys intersect. So we, we know each other for a long time. Um, and, 
you know, we had spoken early on about the A12 and working together. It wasn't the right time for, for either of us. Uh, you guys kind of kept going, although you, you'd, we had you, you know, some of our stages for MP conferences and such, you kind of kept going. And then you reached a point having done a few certs around the world, uh, having had this massive manual, having certified, I don't know, 70 plus coaches, uh, and not only that, just the vast, you know, thousands of transformations, uh, number of cover models that went through the program, professional athletes uh, of all levels in sport, um, you know, getting them stronger, improving their performance, physique and everything. Um, and then you reach this point where we had a, a big meeting and conversation and we talked about, okay, uh, you know, based on where it's at today, we have to potentially take a step back and retool a lot of things um, to be able to really grow this thing to the next level. And uh, I know we, we, you know, that was a big meeting. We went through a lot of that. And, um, you know, I want to commend you for what uh, is probably the toughest thing to do for entrepreneurs or, or anyone is to look at your business, look at success you've had and fast growth you've had, and be able to take a step back for maybe a year or two and retool and drill, you know, more roots in the ground to be able to, to take multiple steps forward. Um, and not everybody is willing to do that or can let go of their ego in doing that. Uh, and, you know, you guys have, you, we went through that, uh, you know, with, uh, with Dwayne right by your side and obviously us on, I don't know how many calls for a couple of years, uh, <laughs> and meetings around the world to, to support this, but, um, talk about just that, that journey, because, you know, it takes, um, it takes a lot of courage and it takes letting go of your ego to, to do that, uh, as a, as a leader and as an entrepreneur. Well, thank you, first of all, for saying that. And I can relate to anybody who's been in that position. And if there's anybody out there who's currently in that position, I would encourage you to get out of that position and into this position because it's the only thing. It's really, there, there comes a point of critical mass with every structure. There's a finite um, capacity for everything. If you have one gym and you optimize that gym, let's say, as an example, to the absolute capacity of its earning potential. The only way you can make more is to do something different and additional to that, to have other people come in and do things additional in your facility or to open another facility if you want to keep that model, for example. So everything has its point of, of critical mass. And as you say, here I was with a program that was producing performance gains that were comparable if not more impressive even than the aesthetic gains and the aesthetic gains were shocking hugely successful we had some of our certified coaches actually earning um over half a million dollars in, in the space of a few years with just the product so it was working it was working really well but i'm once you get to know me and if the listeners ever hear me more than once they'll hear me use the word optimal right um, and it's something that my coaches even sort of poke fun at the fact that everything has to be optimal. Uh, that's the word. Okay. There's, there's a million ways to do things. Well, well, isn't the point, you know, and, and because something works doesn't mean to say it can't work better. Optimal should be the goal at all times. And as soon as you start, your perspective starts to change and you start to see the chinks in your own armor, you got to plug those, those gaps. You got to strengthen those weaknesses in order to ascend to the next level. And as strong as the program itself was and as strong as the certification was and how good the results people were getting, I was spotting inconsistencies that I needed to strengthen. 
to, for me, there was, there, was, there was stuff that could be better. And there was a big weakness in our arsenal that we didn't have a particular individual. We had our skill sets um, were all encompassing in their own field, but there were other skill sets that we needed in order to actually grow the business side of it to its full potential. And we needed to also swallow the fact that in order to do that, it would be immense work and would need to take a step back from actually growing the business to grow the business, okay? And we need the right people in place. And the right person was you, in fact. Um, we knew that, I knew that for years. We were dancing around it for years. You had helped us anyway. Um, there was a lot of sort of um, anecdotal stuff that had happened over the years. And eventually we, we just had that meeting of minds and I just thought, no, I mean, yeah, this is the way to go. And it absolutely has been the best decision that we've made. Um, I would highly recommend anybody else in a similar position to take that step. You need to, you need to have 360 degree strength and confidence in everything that you do. And even if it's working great, you need to find ways to make it work better. And what we've been able to accomplish between my team and your team, and my brain and your brain, and, and, and some of the guys that you have working for you, is truly unique in the fitness industry today. So I'd like to thank you. Oh, well, I, the respect is mutual, and I can say that you know, I'm really proud of, of what has been built, which I think is the most comprehensive certification in the, in the industry you know, uh, for you. strength and conditioning and unbelievable dramatic physical change in 12 weeks. There is no other system or program in the world that produces results consistently. And now even, even better uh, for every body type, every age, uh, every human being um, than the A12. Um, it, is, it is the most dominant force uh, in, in fitness in terms of what it has to offer. So um, I'd love for us to take, through, take people through a little bit about what is the A12? How does it work? Um, and what are some, we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of the key learnings, um, but just take people through, you know, really what's the structure of the program? There's 12 weeks, there's three phases, there's 60 workouts, right? Kind of tell people yep. what's involved. So, well, that, that is, that's, that's first of all, what is involved. It's, it's 12 weeks, there's 60 workouts. So that's five workouts a week of approximately one hour at a time that workout consists of resistance training and metabolic conditioning, so to speak. And the ratio of which will depend on the person's starting condition. It will depend on the person's ability and the appropriateness of certain exercises and movements for the, for the person and the individual. Um, and it takes place in a gym with very limited basic equipment. There's only one to two exercises per muscle group and every muscle group gets worked either once or twice a week. So that's the first thing that people are shocked by. It's not a great deal of work relative to the outcome in the short space of time that it achieves it. The reason why I can do that is the optimization of exercise technique as it applies to the biggest and best exercises. So first you're wanting to pick the biggest and best exercises and then you don't need many of them because as Franco Colombo once said, um, there's a, a you know a thousand different exercises for every muscle group, but in the end, only a handful are any good, and only one's truly the best. So we pick a couple of the very best exercises, sometimes only one, for each muscle group, and we configure the technique around that exercise so that it's optimized within the context of that lift. 
and then we optimize, and this is the big part, we optimize the programming, i.e. the mathematic progression pattern behind that exercise to get as good at it in terms of total weight lifted for total volume as possible within the shortest possible time period, or in this case, the finite time period of 12 weeks. So how strong can you get for reps, i.e. within the loading parameters or volumes that are most conducive to creating muscular hypertrophy? How good can you get within those ranges in 12 weeks with the best exercises and the best technique? And that's what then produces the dramatic results. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. And really, you know, I know I get to hear you talk all the time. So, you know, the three main components of the program are exercise technique, uh, nutrition, and optimal programming. programming. Yeah. Um, and let's break those down a little bit because I think for anybody, you know, who wants dramatic change from their, their program or coaches working with clients who want better results for their clients and for their business, uh, those are the top three, right? So, um, and starting with technique, technique is the biggest one by far. You teach more, you know, like you said, a handful of exercises, but you go so deep in the technique for teaching those exercises. I mean, really yep. taking like world-class powerlifting technique, even to the general end user and learning, you know, how to stack that technique to get the most, you know, out of every movement they do. Uh, and, and take people through a little bit on the philosophy behind that. Okay. Well, strength has some hard and fast rules and then there's some sort of fluid there's, there's a fluidity to it as well and as technique applies to that what we're looking for is again optimal now again optimal is a movable feast both in terms of programming exercise selection and exercise technique i.e there's optimal optimal for if everything is okay and you're in a perfect case scenario and there's nothing wrong with you and this and that and there's nothing suboptimal in you at the minute or you're not nursing any injuries there's no um, physical biases that would prevent you from doing certain things and then there's optimal within the context of who you are as an individual and those two things may be the same thing or they may be a different thing depending on your starting condition and physical state um, so what we do in the a12 is kind of take we marry the the best strength techniques from all the best strength sports from things like bodybuilding powerlifting strongman gymnastics even, martial arts even, believe it or not, uh, uh, does apply to strength training. And then there's, there's a bunch of unique stuff in there that, that apply to all those things, but I can pretty much guarantee you'll not have seen them done either at all or in this way. Yeah, so, and I, I, can, I can verify that. You will not YouTube this anywhere <laughs> no. with some of the stuff you're talking about. It's, it's very unique and interesting. Yes. Yeah. Powerful. So, so that's, you know, trying to get the technique right around every lift. Um, and as, as, I, as I said earlier, well, just to give people a perspective on what I'm talking about there, um, and you've alluded to it already quite well. As I've said, there's only one or two maximum exercises per muscle group. Now, it doesn't take you too long to do the maths of you know, all the major muscle groups in the body. Right? So there's not a lot of exercises in the actual program in total, yet there's over 200 instructional videos. Right? So... I segment the exercises as they are best learned, as they are best learned and as they are best taught, in my opinion and in my experience over the past 20 some years in the fitness industry. Um, I look young for my age, I think. <laughs> Maybe I don't. But, you know, so that's what we're trying to do. So we segment it down into digestible bite sized chunks because if I just come in, 
and then one like you know several are long it would actually take a few days which is what the day 12 circles this is the very best version of the live event possible because when you're going live i mean as, as over as over the information as i am when you're going live and you're fatigued and you're jet lagged and you're this and you're that you don't get take two and, and you don't want take two either because you've got to get through <laughs> a certain amount of material and you've got a finite period of time in which to do so but we spent a long time getting these videos right and they're all hd all high quality professionally shot studio mixture of sort of studio classroom type teaching and in the gym instructional visual so if you're a visual learner or a written learner because the the whole uh, manual that hundred thousand word manual is now online with this in this sort of coaches hub educational area all the images all the text and now all the videos of both um, classroom style teaching and in the gym hands-on uh, coaching and visual learning so it's all there the technique side of it was a big undertaking but it's worth it um, our feedback already has been that it's been second to none from some very experienced coaches who've pretty much done everything else yeah it's it's absolutely incredible and i i'm, I'm encouraged for those who become part of the h12 family and go through the certification to see what, what's involved. Um, I want to jump to the, to the next major component, which is nutrition, which, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, have this, this philosophy around nutrition is everything. And you actually preach something unique that uh, I've never heard anyone say before and that, you know, it's 90% training, 10% diet, uh, which is really the opposite of what a lot of conventional belief is out there. And can you explain what you mean by that? Yes. Well, it definitely grabs people's attention. Um, I, I'll, I'll qualify it and I'll promise that by the time you hear me finish talking, you'll be a hundred percent believer in what I just said. The exact percentages are, are kind of tongue in cheek in that I'm poking fun at the fact that people say 90, 10, the other way in the first place. I mean, it's a very round number. Let me show me you're working out. You know, it's, it's very convenient. 90, 10, oh, it's 90% that. All right. So it's 10% training or maybe not even. You know, oh, well, there's other things involved and it's mental strength and assistance that nobody knows. Here's the truth. There's been no diagnostic studies go. My brain struggles with stuff like that, as you can probably ascertain from hearing me talk. Um, I require, I require preciseness. I require accuracy um, in order to be able to fully understand and take something in. And it, it, the truth is that that's, that, that's a, a citation which is based in, you know, opinion. That, 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 that it's 90% that, nobody knows the exact ratio. But the point that they're trying to make holds true that what they're saying to them is that um, that is more important than training, or as I would perceive that, exercise programming or strength programming or size programming, whatever, resistance programming. Um, it's more important than that to the outcome of physical outcome. Well, I would argue that that's not the case. And the best way... I would argue that training is vastly more important than that, whether it's 90% or, or, or whatever. It's definitely, in my opinion, the, the biggest contributing factor to the outcome. And the best way to actually ascertain that is to isolate those two variables, test them independently of each other, um, either factually or fictitiously, right? And come to a logical conclusion of what the outcome would be. And when you do that, it becomes obvious fairly quickly that 
when we're talking about a body transformation, especially in particular, the training is more important to the outcome or programming is more important to the outcome than diet. And we'll do that by, uh, humor me by picturing two complete genetic and lifestyle sociological clones. So physiological and sociological clones, okay? And the only thing that's gonna be different in their lives over the next 12 weeks is one's gonna eat a 100%, couldn't be any more optimized diet, but continue with their lifestyle as it currently is. And the other is gonna continue with their normal diet, which for most people is probably halfway between good and terrible. Um, I mean, that's generally where it falls. But they're gonna do an optimized concurrent program, which emphasizes resistance training, as well as aerobic and anaerobic conditioning. Okay, so let's follow that 12-week journey to its logical conclusion. By the end, who's stronger, diet guy or training guy? It's the training guy. By the end, who has experienced more muscular hypertrophy, diet guy or training guy? It's the training guy. By the end, who has more self-confidence, diet or training? We know the answer. By the end, who is leaner? The diet guy or the training guy? It could go either way, potentially the diet guy, right? But not by a huge amount. And at that point, do you care? Because, you know, <laughs> this guy kind of looks probably like a CrossFit athlete or a, a men's health model or, or something like that. And this guy over here kind of looks emaciated, if you know what I mean, you know? Um, like a castaway or something like that, like somebody. The bottom line is you can starve someone to a six pack if that's your intention, but that's not a body transformation. You can't starve somebody to a 25% improvement in their bench press one rep max. You know, that's achieved through programming. But the best part about it is desert island questions are irrelevant because we don't live in that. We live in known as the real world and you can do the two at once. And there's absolutely no question that diet is hugely important and that the body transformation will be vastly better if the diet is also optimal or close to optimal. But it's just something that I like to do for shock value as much as it is factual, to get sure. people's attention, to, to steer their focus in the right direction, that the, the manipulation of mathematics to bring about changes in physical outcomes is vastly more important than the minutia of all the way, you know, are your macros and precisely the right ratio and this and that. You know, growing up as well in the place where I grew up, there's, I've I seen firsthand tons of physical examples of guys who were ripped to the bone and didn't eat well. And that's genetics as well, but they were also training and they got stronger and they got bigger. You know, so these are things that can happen on an average diet but they can't happen in the absence of, of training. So kind of where that, where that pop culture reference came from was the outcome of a bodybuilding competition. And within the context of that sport, it is true that that might be more important in a transient way, i.e. in the pre-contest prep. But what you're not seeing is the 20 plus years of training that that guy put in lifting weights before that, you know, to get to that point. You know, so training has still been more important in his process as well. No matter what he does, even if he's chemically enhanced, he has to train. You know, so training, training is the most important. Yeah, fantastic. And 
Yeah. And, and, and well, programming, that's the third, the third part really that of the, of the, the system, right? So we've got exercise, yep. technique, nutrition, and programming. Now programming, I know has been the hardest part, you know, for you to scale <laughs> optimally, right? Uh, around yep. the world, because how do you take decades of experience in your genius and every minutia decision that's based off of real time feedback with a client? And how do you, how do you multiply that? Well, you, you simply can't, right? There's always going to be some variation <laughs> and breakdown. And that was, you know, the big part of what, um, what we took a step back for a couple of years to change about uh, the certification and really make it to where programming is done by artificial intelligence and software that dynamically takes everything everybody does every day and feedback and then modifies uniquely the next workout to have the most awful workout every time every workout, every rep, every exercise selection for a client based on, on feedback. And that's something that I've never, never seen anyone ever do in the fitness industry. Uh, and it took a tremendous amount of investment of time, money and resources to produce this product. Um, and it now gives not only coaches really a foolproof way to have the best programming uh, for as a new coach, have the best program for your client, every client, every time, regardless. Um, and when you're when you're a gym owner who's trying to grow other coaches to scale your facility, ensure that they come in and do great programming and they're not making mistakes in terms of selection and movement and so on for a client. So take people through this process because this is, you know, again, you spent, I don't know how many thousands of hours that have gone into this, but a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, so much, so much time, so much investment of every possible kind, but it was all necessary. So, in order to, to, to fully appreciate how necessary, I think I have to briefly touch on what optimal program is actually what optimal programming is actually best represented as. For starters, what most people in the fitness industry, you know, consider programming is uh, you know woefully underequipped to be called that. Um, it's vastly suboptimal. A lot. The central nervous system is the governor of all things. And when it comes to strength, the first thing to understand is that the human being, every human being walking the face of the planet right now has superhuman strength potential right underneath their skin. You know, even when trying our hardest, all humans on, on a continuum of between 30% and 50%, that's the that's that's between 30 and 50 percent is the maximum amount of motor units that can be utilized when trying your hardest to lift the heaviest weight possible at any one time that's all the juice that your central nervous system trusts you with at any one time okay and it's for good reason because if the if a hundred percent of your musculature was optimally innervated or maximally innervated i should say you would literally tear yourself apart bones would break tendons would rupture you know, and we often see this with people who um, are, are artificially, maximally uh, innervated by things like the electric chair, unfortunately. You know, we hear stories of people breaking the chair and breaking free and stuff. This is it's because they've been superhumanly innovated with the electrical current that actually causes the muscles to then 100% ignite. So we tear ourselves apart if we were allowed to use it all. We're not even trusted with the full amount of strength that we're capable of. And then there's the, the fact that it's the neurology behind that um, and the central nervous system and the brain are one and the same sort of entity that 
you know, flows throughout your, your body. And whatever the brain says goes. And we only have access to about 30 to 35% of our total brain capacity at any one time as well. So one thing's certain that we don't fully understand everything as it relates to the human body. And certainly as that, as that relates to strength, the facilitation and the, and the optimal acquisition of it. But there are huge untapped resources within the human body. There's huge potential. Throughout history and all over the world, stories of spontaneous feats of superhuman strength are peppered throughout our pop culture. And they're not just urban legends. They really happen. And some people have, have experienced them. And I even experienced something like that once in my life as well. And it, it's a real thing. So there's, there's tons of untapped potential that your central nervous system is kind of the governor slash manager of. And the process of getting stronger, whether or not that is becoming more neurologically efficient and being allowed to have more juice present for the predetermined 30 to 50% that we're allotted, or if we're allowed to use a higher percentage of what's already there, doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's a process there's a governor, there's, a, there's, there's an interaction with that entity, right? I know you and your central nervous system are the same thing, but in order to actually break this down into what's optimal, it's, it's best to segment it and start looking at it as a separate thing. So how have we communicated with the central nervous system in the past? Well, well people have been getting stronger for time immemorial. So those strength training programs are the conversations that we have had with the central nervous system in the past. So we don't have to start from scratch. We can look and stand on the shoulders of giants that came before us, and we can look at what worked best before. We can look at the common denominators in successful conversations with the central nervous system, and then we can start to eliminate the superfluous and, and really hone in on what the most productive common denominator was. And if we look at the progressively better ideas throughout the history of strength programming, and we look at things like the failure model, the three sets to 10 to failure, and then you know Eastern periodization, Western periodization, intensity cycling, you know, and all the Eastern block stuff that came after that, and even some of the, the newer books, like Easy Strength and stuff by Don John and Pavel Satsalin and all those great works that are out there, we see... It, it, it's as plain as day. It's like when somebody turns on the light, once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's a direct correlation existing between time starting off in comfort in the training cycle and total time spent training and progressing in relative comfort and the total strength and power potential or building potential or acquisition or facilitation potential of the strength training program in itself. So if the common denominator is progressing in comfort, then what's best to do is to take the focus off the peak entirely and start putting it on expanding that comfort zone until eventually the comfort zone envelops your previous limit. Now, where is your limit? Well, it's out there in the stratosphere somewhere. You know, people often ask me, you know, what's your max this or max that? And I'll tell them I don't know because I'm not concerned with what my max is. I'm only concerned with raising it, okay? And every workout spent finding it 
is several workouts wasted that could have been used raising it. Okay, because the central nervous system doesn't take maximal training very well for very long, especially if you're drug free, and especially if you're not a genetic superhuman. Okay, there's there's a finite period of time on your ability to gain whilst training maximally or super maximally with really intense methods. Um, there's a place for it, but it's a tiger that should be tethered. Okay, so that you've got full control of the beast, and it should be tethered in a prison of comfort and rolled along. Okay, so a lot of these things sound quite abstract right now, but it becomes more obvious once you start seeing the puppet, once you go to the puppet show and see the strings, you can't unsee them. Okay, so trying to get, so you, so you can see how it's not, you know, 100% typical, this process. So it's both an art and a science to try and manipulate the numbers in such a way that there's an increase in intensity without a proportionate increase in RPE, or i.e. the perception of difficulty of that intensity increase. That's getting stronger, okay? If you can increase the load without a proportionate increase, so say my one rep max is 100%. So today, every percentage of my one rep max will be accurate, okay? If I, if I lift an 80%, that will be 80%, okay? So the trick, is to start the cycle in the right place and progress the numbers in such a way that by the time I get back to 80%, it's perceived as less than 80%, okay? But we're, instead of moving towards the peak, we just, we, we, we keep expanding the comfort zone and forget about the peak, it'll take care of itself. If you improve any rep maximum by a significant percentage, you'll, prove every, you'll improve every rep maximum, okay? So that, was hard to convey in three days, <laughs> you know. And actually, we had two days worth of technique training and one day dedicated to programming. And yes, they went away with the manual. And yes, there was the Facebook support group. And yes, the results were very good. Very, very good because of those things. But some people were getting better results than others, to be honest. And what it was down to was personal interpretation or in this case I would say personal misinterpretation of the fine fine art forms and nuances of, of just how to progress that programming optimally so what we did was we sat down I sat down with some of your computer programmers big shout out the remain the remain machine as I call them <laughs> um, and everybody else that was involved and painstakingly created from scratch an artificial intelligence version of my own decision-making process as it applies directly to the A12 for every conceivable type of individual that will give you dynamic advice on a set-by-set, day-by-day basis as if I was standing beside you in your pocket telling you what to do. All you have to do is type in the, the metrics and as you can probably ascertain, I'm a numbers guy and this thing will react, you know, just as I would if I was standing beside you. We had a few howl moments right, for some of the older viewers. <laughs> we had a few space odyssey howl moments, but it was freaky watching this thing make decisions like me. Better than me, actually, because it's indefatigable. I'm a human being. Um, and if you're asking me a question and you're from Australia, and I'm answering it at whatever time or whatever, you know, I can make mistakes and I'm only one person. 
And if we were going to if we were going to scale this to the point where we want to fulfil the mission of the company, which is to change as many lives in the world as possible with this program, then I I was the weak link, ironically, because I I couldn't serve all the people that would be required to serve all those people that would be required to change the world one body at a time, so to speak, one life at a time. So we needed to upscale. I needed upgraded. <laughs> so so the, the, the Skynet version of me now exists. Yes. Hopefully scary. it doesn't take over. <laughs> yeah, no. And I know your your wife Carmel, the you know, the kids should be concerned. Uh there's two of you out there now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, listen, fantastic stuff. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to to really learn more about the mission of A12. If you're interested in getting dramatic results for yourself, for your clients, uh, and really, you know, helping people produce physical change, which really is the heart of what fitness is. It's about physical change. Uh, then there's, you know, the A12 system and programming methodology. Uh, and certification needs to be in your arsenal. Um, you're going to learn more uh, at a greater depth and have a weapon um, that absolutely differentiates you from all the competition out there. Uh, go to the website, check out some of the 8,000 transformations of every body tape, shape, size, genetics, young, old, male, female, professional, elite, celebrity, mom and pop, you know, you name it. Uh, under 40, over 40, uh, there is just you know, this is like really the next, you know, body, you know, body for life, body transformation, you know, to, to the nth degree. Uh, and I'm excited to be part of Thank this you. journey, be part of, you know, the movement to, to bring this to more people around the world, because it's absolutely going to be transformative to uh, many lives and many businesses uh, for coaches and, and gym owners around the world. So uh, we encourage people to go tell, tell them where to go check it out. Amazing12.com. Um, they can learn more and, and, uh, Amazing, where, where Amazing12.com. Amazing12.com yeah. is the main place. You can also follow me on Facebook. Um, I'm, I'm considering making my personal page, my personal profile a page, but my friends is maxed out and I'm getting friend requests and I can't really accept people. I have to wait for people to get bored of me and go away before I can accept people. <laughs> You can follow me on Instagram at Paul McElroy, Amazing 12. Uh, yeah, Paul McElroy, Amazing 12. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm not a big yeah. social media guy just yet. We're, taking, we're, we're, we're venturing into, we're dipping our toe into that strange and wonderful world. Um, yes. And yeah, I just I briefly want to just, if I, if I may, just touch on, on something there, Sean. Um, that this, the thing that makes, makes the, the A12 so appealing is that you know, regardless of what our preconceived um, notions for getting into the fitness industry or staying in the fitness industry are, the fact of the matter is, like it or not, and I've been in the position of both liking it and not liking it myself, coming from a strength, a strength and conditioning specialist background, the vast majority of people, I mean, the reason why the fitness industry even exists in the first place is because the vast majority of people who created the need for it are there because they want to look better. They want to look better in their clothes and out of their clothes. They want to feel better. They want to perform better. But they, they primarily want to look better. And the, the good news is, as I said earlier, a body transformation shouldn't be about just looking better. It should be about performing better. 
and you can have it all if the programming is optimized because you can starve yourself to a six pack but you can't starve yourself to a massive strength increase that's about getting all the variables correct um and the best part about it is because i come from a strength and conditioning background i created this program and evolved it over the, over the last 15 or so years through the lens of a strength and conditioning specialist the best way conveniently to make huge aesthetic changes in a physique and we'll say that that's constituted by muscle gain and fat loss predominantly is to create huge performance gains and strength for reps anaerobic and anaerobic performance as well as an optimized diet so that's why this has produced huge performance gains as well that's why it's not extreme because i plan around training around expanding a comfort zone people are often surprised at how easy the overall training actually is it's not um nobody's getting pushed to their limit at any point and it's scaled perfectly to every individual so that's what the a12 is and thanks for listening yeah well fantastic i can't wait for people to learn more go to amazing 12 dot com amazing the number 12.com we'll have some links for socials and stuff uh in the show notes and uh paul i know we'll be talking again in the future my friend so thanks for being here on the show uh and more to come thank you thank you for having me thanks for listening to the secrets to their fitness business success podcast with me sean Greeley. if you like the show then head on over to npefitness.com slash podcast to download the show notes, subscribe, and enter to win over 25,000 in free prizes we're giving away to celebrate the launch of the show. Be well, and we'll see you in the next episode.